Hi everybody, welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly, this is Nick. How are you? I'm good. I hope you're good. It's like 3.20 in the morning. I just finished editing this podcast. Um, It's with Emily Mover backing up my little solo thing. And then we have a great chat and then she plays two wonderful songs. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly, four times a week. Sponsored by love, just the feeling of love. Uh, I'm Nick, I'm your host. If you enjoy the podcast, tell a friend. Please go to emilymover.com. Look up her music on YouTube and Spotify. It's, it's really beautiful. I'm super out of it, so let's just start the podcast. Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly. I think that you get sued if you use the birthday song. Oh, right? was that Happy Birthday? I didn't. I think so. It was like it. the "How old are you now?" part. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, okay. we'll do another one then. Hang on. I'm going to just check to see if my I'm being recorded at all because like, it's not showing anything in, in, in that one. God damn it. Nick, Nick Flanagan, Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly. And a happy new year. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming while listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan. This is my weekly show, four times a week to be exact. It is an exploration of my brain, topics I'm interested in, and adventures with friends. Today you might hear a live guitar behind me. What is that exactly? Well, I'll tell you. It's Emily Mover, the wonderful singer Emily Mover, whose album Night Owl came out in June 2018, ripping up the charts. Look at it on Spotify. We're talking 100,000 plus view listens. It's true. And uh, she's from Toronto with a little bit of New York on the side. Emily, uh, you're welcome to sing, sing a sec- do some vocals for one second. If you ever want to back me up with a soothing hum, you're welcome to. You can also talk for right now if you want. Hi. Yeah, but I'm going to interview Emily later. Uh, uh, first, I'm going to do my chatting, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Emily first. Uh, we've known each other for a really long time. We met as uh, young, young people really uh, uh, bonded over uh, trying to make a go of it in this crazy city at a coffee shop that recently closed then relocated called The Green Room. It was one of those coffee shops that was before coffee shops were cool, so it was like kind of gross. And it certainly wasn't run by people who were artisanal in the traditional cool city sense, but they were probably way cooler than your average artisanal <laughs> coffee shop owner. They were like, I don't know, some kind of polyamorous Vietnamese 
well, <laughs> let's just be honest. We don't. Uh, I would say we don't know, but anyone who worked there, which Emily did work at the green room, and lots of other cool people worked there, did know. So how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. My neck hurts. I'm almost finished with the script I'm working on. Yesterday I compared writing to a very nice person I know. I compared writing to giving birth. And I said, now I know how women feel. And they got mad. My mom just walked by this room. She's wearing a hazmat suit. <laughs> and I don't know why. We've been cleaning the basement. She just said it's not a hazmat suit. Um, we've been cleaning the basement, and I don't know if this basement is that clean. Uh, I think it, I mean there's lots of um, mouth masks and and hazmat suit types of things. So I don't know what's going on down there, but it ain't pretty. Unless you happen to be looking at my old photo albums, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm hunched over, telling you about my life. And, uh, oh, the green room. Yeah, so I met Emily there. And I was one of those people when I was young. I used to go to coffee shops all the time. And, again, these were not traditional coffee shops as we know them now. There were no Americanos. I don't even think most of these places had cappuccinos. But you'd go and you'd sit down and you'd spend three or four dollars and then you'd uh, write all your worst ideas down and tell the poor staff at these places all about your hopes and dreams and your work. <laughs> and what's really sad about these places is I was probably in the top five most talented people at, at any given time in these coffee shops. We're not talking Silver Lake coffee shops here. My, we're talking predators, <laughs> bad singer-songwriters. People on the verge of losing their minds, which... Look, I'm not going to say how many categories of those things I just mentioned that I fall into, but too many. But not Predator. Unless we're talking about literally for food. Because if I saw some food on a plate, boy was I eating it. I miss those days. Just writing down my thoughts on in a coffee shop, thinking somehow that would make me a billionaire somewhere Jeff Bezos was not doing that <laughs> and thinking the same thing and being a lot more right than I was but those were the places I learned some of the most important things in life like Kahlua don't get an Irish coffee it seems like a good idea but like why also, I don't know if you know about a real Irish coffee. That's where. Have you ever heard of the curse of the Irish coffee? That's where you put a small dick in a coffee. You get to the end of the cup, and there it is. It's kind of like half from that movie Diner. Half a stereotype. What's your favorite stereotype? Mine is Bose. Today's episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly is sponsored by... Skull Candy headphones because those are the ones I'm wearing and I'd like them to sponsor the podcast. And I don't want to brag, but yesterday I successfully returned earbuds for not working. I think that's the only time in the history of man that that's occurred. And when I say in the history of man, I only mean man because 
feel like only men return items. <laughs> I think that's probably incorrect, but prove me wrong. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, tell a friend. That's all I ask. And the second thing I ask is uh, I have some sort of a patron set up. Pod, Patron.podbean slash Nick Flanagan Weekly. Check it out if you want to donate, but you really don't have to. I'm going to get into the episode now. I've done my little ramble. And I'm going to introduce my friend. You don't have to keep playing if you don't want to. We can just chat. I know it's hard work on your fingers there. Oh, well, you know, it's good practice. I've got a gig on Friday, so i got to practice anyway. Where's the gig? It's at the Burdock. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. <laughs> We're both leaning on this, <laughs> my bed, like, on the same side, so it's always in danger of tipping. At some point, there may be a crash. Unlike a patron at the coffee shop you work at, it's always in danger of tipping. <laughs> you know, there's no, never a danger. There was never a danger of people tipping at the green room. That was the worst. They, had, they were the worst tippers there. And, but it was weird because the environment was like we were allowed to get like really mad and basically just like tell people that they were worthless if they didn't tip. <laughs> Especially if they came like from other countries and would act like they didn't know the the custom so in other words tipping. the uh the weights you you're the management encouraged you to not just racially profile but to culturally <laughs> shame people yeah pretty much it wasn't like a direct promotion of that but there, somehow we just all picked it up in the vibe we liked <laughs> each other and certain regulars and just like really hated everyone else <laughs> what's funny is now <laughs> one of my favorite coffee shops is in the annex mm-hmm. and it's also um vietnamese run but it's actually all vietnamese staffed and it's called russell and still and honestly if i got one sponsor i'd be real happy if it was russell and still because they make vietnamese coffee they make uh roasted green tea lattes matcha lattes it? it's just at markham and bloor Really? Yeah, uh, I love the place, and this is always, I will always advertise Russell and Still on this podcast. Uh, I should also mention that, Emily, you are my neighbor. I am your neighbor. Yes, we discovered that, uh, I think, late one night when we when, when you were, were... You were coming home. I was coming home. From a party. Wow. And I was walking my dog. I almost never go to parties anymore. <laughs> That's crazy. I think we've talked about that. We have talked about not going when to parties. When we ran into each other that night, that's what you said. <laughs> I repeat myself so much. Anyone who listens to this, basically every day I've just been like, my life has been ruined by ADHD and uh, I'm sad today. Uh, what are you up to? That's like a weird kind of podcast where the person doing the podcast asks the listener, what are you up to? They can't answer. And but I don't nice get that many that emails telling me what people are up to either. I'll tell you my favorite. What did you just ask a second ago? Your favorite stereotype. What's your favorite stere- type of stereotype? I didn't stereotype? know if you were talking to me or the listener, so I just stayed silent. What's your favorite type of stereo and actual stereotype? Oh, bows. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> now I get it. Delayed release. <laughs> Um, like the album Chinese Democracy that was a <laughs> delayed release. Laughter. Um, did you know that the green room, the space that the green room was in, has reopened? No. Uh, I have to say that 
it seems excellent. What's it called now? I think it's just called like the Annex, but it's a hotel. Oh. On the second floor and the third floor, and then on the first floor, it's uh, like a shishi kind of cafe. A boutique hotel? Yeah, it's like a boutique hotel. And it's really cool. It's like the green room grew up. Wow. It's really strange because, like, you know, we used to go there when we were kids. Yeah, well, that's what happened now is... And now the green room grew up, too. Everything grew up. Everything got more expensive. And yet I didn't really make that much more money. Yeah. (laughs) So, all this... You know what I would call my biggest enemy? Inflation. Inflation. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. I'm like a... A balloon. You know yeah. why a balloon's biggest enemy is inflation? Why? Because it basically puts them closer to death. That's true. You know? Sometimes I feel like a like a balloon. Sometimes I feel like a feel like, uh, like a not blown up balloon, you know? Sometimes I feel like a balloon is getting a little too much air. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I feel like I am a balloon. Sometimes I feel like I need to go. <laughs> To a clown college and bother the students to blow me up and to make me part of their sculpture. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we're doing this. Balloon <laughs> Balloon animal sculpture. You know, I I kinda had a thing for a while. I was a little bit depressed and I kinda had a thing for a while with for garbage balloons. Like when you see balloons in a garbage can or like balloons that had been discarded and had had their party and now they had no more purpose for the rest of their existence until they became deflated. And I would film them and I had like six videos of various garbage balloons. That's so funny and very sad at the same time. I know. That's my favorite feeling. I have so many friends who photograph toilets. Really? Yeah, on the street. Yeah, there's something about it. I get that. But I feel like a toilet's like pretty heavy-handed. It's like, oh yeah, like shit on the street. But a balloon is like it's a beautiful thing. That's garbage. And also probably very bad for the environment. It's really bad for the environment. Were you when you were a kid did they do the thing where they let all the balloons go up in the air? Yeah, they did. And what was extra funny about it was it was a guardian angels yeah. event. Yeah. Which is <laughs> like <laughs> it's if you're not aware of the guardian angels because you're under forty years old. <laughs> I'm I'm under forty and so is Emily. But I mean it was It's a charity thing. No. It's Guardian Angels. You'd think it was a charity. Guardian Angels is this thing where it was basically like a um like a neighborhood watch that patrolled the neighborhood. What? Started by like mostly guys and they wore these barrettes and I think what? it started in New York or something and they would like to help clean up the streets. They would watch the kids. No, they wouldn't watch the kids. <laughs> they would watch the neighborhood and protect the kids if it came down to it. And you could just do it, like, you could just be a guy and be like... I have no idea what the Guardian Angel uh, training or (laughs) induction ceremony or requirements were. sounds like a recipe for trouble, I'm just going to say. Well, you don't hear much about them anymore. (laughs) So something clearly happened. But yeah, they sponsored a balloon release. (laughs) And then it killed the birds. 
and then it killed the birds. But what's so funny is there's a video on YouTube that's a really old, it's a compilation of this news footage from this insane balloon disaster in Cleveland in the 1980s. Well, much like the uh, charity balloon release that that your school and my school had in Toronto. I think it was like a, a, a citywide thing. Yeah. Um, it, they said to put Cleveland on the map, we're improved. Cleveland is new and improved. We're going to get the Guinness World Record for most balloons released. Oh, at once. No. <laughs> so they released the balloons. And then all the wind blows these full balloons and they all land in the water. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I think somebody died. Oh, no. From the balloon happening. It's really bad. I shouldn't laugh at it, but my God, I'm not laughing at it now that I. See, balloons are kind of a complicated died. thing. You see that? Well, yeah, just like clowns. Just like clowns. Everybody goes, oh, clowns are creepy. And it's like, weren't the first clowns actually kind of supposed to be creepy? Well, it was because of that, <laughs> that serial killer. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, who I just watched like a, a little thing. But on. it's also probably about a lot of lesser known clown pedophiles, I would say, <laughs> who feel, don't have the it's weird, notoriety though, of John Wayne Gacy. It's weird that you instinctively feel that there would be more where that came from. Like there you feel is like something there would instinctual. Be more, and, and, and it, don't forget Stephen King's which it. Which was sort of based on Gacy, right? I, it must have been, yeah. And uh, there's a few different ones that I. that, that you gotta kind of go deep, and the clown thing is is pretty is pretty bad. Uh, I've I've never seen it, but I've always felt a little creeped out about clowns. I've never seen it either, and I actually avoid most Stephen King, and I can't quite put my finger on why. I love Stand by Me. Stand by Me is great, and I I definitely I haven't seen, but I really want to see Misery. That's cool. I saw Pet Cemetery that night. I've seen Pet Cemetery, but I, I mostly just like the Ramones song at the end. Which one is it? It goes, I don't want... You can sing it with me in our style. Okay. I don't, don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Oh, that's what happens in the movie. Yeah, They exactly. wrote it for Pet Cemetery? I don't think or they're writing Stevie a song King. called Pet Cemetery in any other so way. So then did Stevie can get the idea for the movie from the song? <laughs> that, would, that would be cool if, if like Joey Ramone was like, Hey, we got an idea. We want to sell it to you. Good stuff. <laughs> or maybe Stephen King was stoned and heard the song and was like, I could make a whole movie about this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's a stoner or what. Something's going on. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't really read. I didn't read Cujo, Christine, none of no, that. No, no, I, I don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, I always feel like I'm going to get around to reading every single book that exists. But well, I mostly read, like, fantasy. You read fantasy? Yeah. I read... Uh, Sci-fi and literature. I liked Kurt Vonnegut. I was, like, classic. Yeah. Like, I liked Kurt Vonnegut, Salinger. Yeah. All the things that you like in high school. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, I liked all that stuff. Yeah. Hunter and Thompson. Then, yeah. and But then I got really into uh, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I haven't read that. 100 Years of Solitude. Supposed to be good. Uh, it's really good. What about Master and Margarita? I had that and I never read it. I showed a copy of that to my friend A.L. who was on the podcast and he was super stoked. And uh, I showed Confederacy of Dunces to Scott Thompson hmm. and he 
said it was the pretty much the best comic novel of all it's time. It's really great. Could be. Could be something like that, yeah. I was reading it's that book awesome. while I was making a video for a song called Wasted Time. Yeah. And Do you want to sing the first line of Wasted Time? I don't know if I can remember it. That's all I wanted that much. Uh, by the way, if you're like, why on earth is Nick just demanding Emily sing songs <laughs> out of nowhere? Because I've known Emily for so long, but then also the way I knew Emily's music was because, the way I knew your music was because at the green room, you'd like be pouring, you'd go, some more coffee? And then, I, <laughs> and I feel like she would actually, you would sometimes ask it basically in that voice, a little jokey. And then you'd say, hey, I just wrote this song. Want to hear it? And I'd go, sure. And then she, you would just sing a cappella. You'd go like, like to dance in the night with everybody. I think I was writing like my first songs around that time. That's so cool. And and I no lie, I was like, wow, your voice is so nice. These songs are cool. We're all going to get rich, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, to be fair, most a lot of the people that uh hung out, well, I'm basically just thinking of like you, me and anime. Right. We're all still artists. Yes. That's true. Yes. And there are others. Anime Henry, she's got a art show right now in Toronto. At the Likely General at the likely general she's and incredibly talented. hopefully if you're listening not in toronto you can check out her art somewhere online yeah she's got a website i think it's just anime henry yeah and she, just google her anime. yeah she's another one who worked at the green room and mm -hmm. uh her brother tom henry is a comedian. comedian yeah yeah i saw his show last night oh you went to that show the autumn jaunt chris Locke, sarah hennessy yeah. and tom henry all very hilarious comedians and friends of mine and they're going on Friends tour. of ours. Yes. How was the show? It was great. It was That's great. cool. Did you laugh? I did, but I laughed I laughed really hard at a joke that Tom told me before the show actually. What was the joke? It was um uh what's you know the zip code for Beverly Hills? No. You do? Nine oh two one oh? Yeah. Do you know the zip code for Dawson's Creek? No. Nine oh one oh eight <laughs> I think I did hear that, him that told that joke before. That is a good joke, uh, but we can't. Tom's got his own podcast. He doesn't actually. Have his he own doesn't podcast. have. His own I'll podcast. have to have him on this. I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I make the calls here. I decide who goes on the podcast. Uh, so you're writing your first songs at that point, mm -hmm. and that just how long. Did you put it? And your father was a musician. Is yeah, a musician. Is a musician. Bob. Bob Mover. Bob Mover. Uh, sax player. Plays plays a sax. Where what what's the album? If you had to recommend one of your father's musical. It's releases. hard to get his album, but I do have them all on vinyl. He has one called "In the True Tradition" that's great. He's got. Uh, oh, I can't remember right now. There's so many. Google him. He's cool. So here's my question: When your dad's jazzbo. What? <laughs> that is what they call themselves. <laughs> is does a jazz bow only like the biggest jazz artists, or do they go deep? What do you mean, like? 
Well, for instance, my parents were jazz bows. Jazz <laughs> they they didn't they didn't play jazz, but they saw a lot of jazz and listened to a lot of jazz. And if you were to there's a, a shelf in this room that is covered right now by the door, but uh, don't ask how that happened. <laughs> but it's got lots of jazz CDs. Mm. Um, I'm so I'm just and they're friends with jazz musicians like Jordy McDonald and. You know, they had Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, mm-hmm. John Coltrane, My Favorite Things, mm-hmm. Charlie Hayden, something, something by Charlie Hayden, mm-hmm. Chet Baker. My dad played with Chet. That's cool. Are you asking, like, if he liked lesser-known musicians? <laughs> I'm just saying, He like, is a lesser-known musician. Yes, so, so like, did he <laughs> try mean, did to get all... you, did he try to sell you on... Other no, they all worked together, you know? Yes, that's so, kind of the thing, right? Is like, like do you if work? you're a decent jazz player, you're probably, at the very least, a person who's been a sideman to a great jazz player. Yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know about everybody. Well, he, well for instance, Jordy, who I know, mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt, Jordy yeah, yeah. McDonald, the drummer, he did albums with Paul Blay. Who's my and, godfather. Who's your, okay, there you go. And then, and I would say Paul Blay is not... He might be not one of the like top jazz names, but he's certainly a respected People name. Know it. Yeah. yeah, and James. There are so many res- like amazing, amazingly respected people in that world that like people yeah. don't know about unless they're really into jazz. I'm just discovering it now. And Jane Bennett, I was going to say, mm. to, you know, J- Jordy. He also had a band with Neil Young or something, and really? and, and Palmer, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the right before the. Rick James won the Minor Birds mm. in the 60s. You said that jazz has a lot of people who oh, like aren't, are aren't super well respected but aren't necessarily well-known right. out of the genre. Yeah, like so many. Mm-hmm. And I think even now, like in New York, there are a lot of guys that you or I wouldn't know the name of that if you mm-hmm. said them in New York, they'd be like, oh. Well... I'm reading a uh, not reading. I'm I'm listening to a uh, mix. I have a I have Spotify. Unfortunately, for any musicians that like making money, I have Spotify. <laughs> and uh, the, the um, there's like a jazz mix. My mm-hmm. dad, my daily mix. There's like a jazz one. Mm-hmm. It's so good because right yeah, now the jazz I'm into is only like the gentlest jazz. They've got Bill really, Evans yeah. and. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, although that's mm-hmm. not always gentle. And then uh, there's someone else who's like really mellow. Lester Char- Young. Charlie Hayden, yes, Lester Young. And it knows what I like, and it's giving me mostly yeah, jazz I like know. that. And sometimes that goes into weird like 80s and 90s <laughs> albums. But even that is mostly good, mm-hmm. which is what I'm kind of getting at. It is it actually seems like the idea of jazz as a dead medium is not totally true? It's not totally true. I mean, it's hard to say. How are you going to say something is dead? As long as there are people doing it, it's not dead, right? Yeah, like I think maybe if there was some sort of mass jazz murder <laughs> and everybody died, they I could say that, like, a, jazz is dead. There's a loss of respect for the medium. And there's sort of like a sillifying of it. It's silly now. Like people say, oh, I like jazz and it's like a silly thing. They don't realize what jazz even is. Well, that's kind of an interesting other fact. I'm also reading... Uh, been I've been reading Miles's Miles Davis's autobiography, and I've also read Mingus's one. And I think something happened 
in pop culture maybe like 10 or 15 years ago where funnily enough white comedians or whoever <laughs> would say jazz is stupid like yeah it became a funny thing it became that? a funny thing I, and i mean it's good to make light of stuff yeah but <laughs> it's kind of the weird the tom waits thing a little bit where it's like everyone makes fun of tom waits because he's ludicrously affected obviously in his <laughs> vocals <laughs> Uh, the, it's like, you know, he's like turning, recording himself, turning an old crank yeah. and, <laughs> you know, rapping over it in, yeah. a, in, in, in the voice of a goblin, <laughs> <laughs> but the songwriting is sound, <laughs> yeah. 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 but no, but even the album, there are albums where that works you know like frank's wild years it basically works you know and then like one or two of his other records you know even bone machine which is like peak make fun of tom waits yeah and it's called bone machine (laughs) it's like a really good album yeah you know so I, i it's kind of this thing where like the the present day can only feel like meaningful if it dismisses the The past past or it lessens the greatness of the past not all of it but you know it sort of tries to wheat sift the wheat from the chaff we're always in flux too you know what i mean figuring out (laughs) figuring out what the next sort of i don't know i mean i i'm in a position right now where i feel like i listen to popular music and i don't really get a lot of it i like it almost seems like a totally different thing than traditional songwriting, like the whole, the whole kind of uh, respect and adherence to the song form in the in like the context of the the Great American Songbook. Is How sort big of, is that book? It's huge. There's so many. Like it feels like the Beatles really knew all those songs. They were like, "Hello." Pleased to meet you. <laughs> Can I open the door? <laughs> but you Hello. know what I mean, right? Pleased to meet you, dude. I mentioned I'll be 64. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's not taking from the same kind of... The uh, same kind of... It's more of a Max Martin idea of what song it, is Who's like. Max Martin? Max Martin is a songwriter. I think he's like German or Swedish or something. Mm-hmm. And he like writes with a lot of big pop stars like who worked with Britney Spears. Is and, he the Matrix? Yeah, there's the guy. Is he one of the members one of, of the Ma- yeah, Matrix? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, a different thing. I also interviewed the people who wrote uh, Toxic once. Oh, really? Um, yeah, who, well, Toxic is such an amazing song. It's a great song. song. And they were, like, their they... band was called Mike Snow. Oh, okay. Which is actually like a fairly good band, really, yeah. even though people but don't. You can hear in pop songs when people are writing from a place of knowing right, the, past, of the past well. and taking it into account and having some kind of respect for it but i think there are also just like 16 year old pop stars that are writing songs with those guys and it's like there's they don't even know they don't have any context which in a certain way is interesting and good Mm -hmm. but it's you know it's tempting to be like oh art is changing and and sucks and people should have respect for jazz and not say that it's dead but then it's also like what are you gonna do just live in the past yeah, for sure. I'm going to. No, I I mean, you, well, we have a mutual friend named uh, Ndidi uh, mm-hmm. O, mm-hmm. great musician. I've also interviewed her in the past. 
uh, for this, but I haven't actually published that. Uh, hopefully someday I can talk to Ndidi again. But I've had long discussions with Ndidi because Ndidi was living in L.A. when I mm-hmm. was there. She's still there. And she was explaining to me the songwriting summits that occur. I don't know if you're listening to this, if you, if you really know about um, when someone like Rihanna or, you know, Beyonce or Katy Perry. I mean, the list the goes top, on and on. Probably Dua Lipa, guys. all these people. Yeah. Um, they wind up having about 15 people invited to essentially a mansion to just work on a song, one or two songs and, yeah. and throw pieces in. That's why um, Beyonce, I think, I think it was Beyonce. There was Bon Iver has, you know, been listed yeah. as a songwriter. Um, Every and, song on uh, Lemonade was like, right, like a, a committee project. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And um, so I, I would, I would, I would assume that those people are people who have a grounding in songwriting, but maybe it's just that that is always being filtered through something that needs to sound very contemporary. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because now that you're saying that, I'm thinking like if I was in that situation, I probably right. wouldn't try to like whip a Beatles song out and hope that Beyonce would pick it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'd sort of try to be hitting. I don't know, some invisible mark that was, like, new and different. Yeah. Or you'd be walked into hitting that mark, yeah. you know, when uh, we all because would. of the parameters that are, are needed for the, that exact song, yeah. you know. So even if we have the context of, of, of our songwriting background, when we're coming in, we're not thinking of using it directly. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask about uh, someone who I heard years after I first heard you, and when I heard her, I said... She seems like an influence on Emily, and that's Karen Dalton. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you and I met before I had heard of Karen Dalton. Funny. But but when I did hear of Karen Dalton, I got really into her. Well, yeah, because uh, having, you know, heard your music uh, just, like, recent, not recently, like, I go back to your music sometimes, and... When I heard Karen Dalton, I think it was in a period where I, I hadn't really heard your newer stuff. So I was just thinking of literally you singing me the songs in, in the coffee shop, a <laughs> uh, cappella, and I was like, oh, I really see a similarity. And then when I heard your new record, I mean, it is part of what you're doing, but there's other things happening. Um, I mean, when I say it, I just mean, you know, like, you didn't even know her when I, when I thought that you sounded like her most, you hadn't even heard her yet. Yeah, I think I heard her first when I was like 25 or something like that. Yeah, I don't know much about her. What do you... Is she still alive? No. Damn it! She... (laughs) Not fair. I think she was one of the ones of the school who died of a, uh, like, drug problem. Damn it! Yeah. Tell me more. I don't really know that much. I just know that she played around the village in the 60s with, like, Bob Dylan and all those folky Fred Neal types. And then she died young. She died pretty young. If I were a carpenter, (laughs) you were a lady. (laughs) Is that a song? I don't think so. She has, like, a... Yeah, she goes, like... She goes, like... 
I'm I can't really explain it. It sounds kind of, it's almost like Amy Winehouse in a way. There's in, a certain kind of like primal call well, in the voice of both of those people. And also I feel like there's something where they're just like able to comp- make their songs just like having a talk with them. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's something sure. I always appreciated about Amy Winehouse. Yeah, I know. I really love Amy Winehouse, too. Um, but just going back to how you even got into playing music. Um, well, I mean... How did you get into playing music? Did your dad say you were like five years old and he was like, Emily, you gotta come to the club tomorrow. <laughs> it's open well, I, mic. I grew up in them, right? You grew up, he would... grew up in Toronto clubs? In Toronto clubs. Because my dad... Uh, started the Tuesday night jam at the Rex. Okay, cool. The Rex is a very popular jazz cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty dive bar-y back then. In town. And Got wrecked at the Rex. That was what they yeah. used to say. And there was a, there, there is a hotel upstairs, and he lived in it. So I'd spend half my time at my mom's house, at Jarvis and Dundas. And then go and stay at the rec sometimes and those nights like i'd just fall asleep to the music and like in the hotel room no like on the there were couches in the bar i see just like clean couches i bet probably not right i would imagine did you get worms but they like gave me blankets and stuff (laughs) okay i don't know who knows what i got from that time (laughs) in my life no you got a lot of jazz it's pretty seeping great. into your brain. It's, it, it really is like I still fall asleep really easily. Sonny Rollins' butt like was where you <laughs> lay your head. I'd be honored. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so but I never thought that I wanted to be a musician. I just always it's like breathing to sing, you know. Right, I understand that. Yeah, I mean, I got into being in bands so young that it's. It's like second nature, even though I don't play anything. Yeah. Like if you were like, you want to practice tomorrow? I'd be like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, what are we doing? Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also like my dad, the way that he um, understands music is really like infectious. And if you're around him, he will talk to you about music and teach you a song. It will just happen. Mm-hmm. So growing up with that, it just happened. And then when I actually found Billie Holiday... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I was about 12. Yeah, I guess that would be an influence as well now, now that I think yeah. of it. You know? Well, yeah, and also Karen Dalton always, yeah. people always say she sounds like Billie Holiday. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when I found Billie Holiday, then I got really into it. But also it was like super encouraged. Right. You know what I mean? Like if I learned a jazz song, mm-hmm. my dad would be like, wow, you're going to sing that publicly with me. And you go, fascinate and rail on. <laughs> And he would teach me melodies, like walking down the street, or we'd go to Long and McQuaid and like get kazoos and then learn <laughs> solos, like Charlie Parker solos. So you were learning how to play instruments from a pretty young age? Yeah, I took classical guitar lessons and piano lessons and kazoo lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's but I don't cool. really remember how to play. Do you still piano. kazoo? I love the kazoo. Well, whenever I'm working on kids' stuff, I'm like... Work without the kazoo. When you say you're working on kid stuff, what do you mean? Well, I wrote the songs for the last season of uh, Cat in the Hat. Oh, that's so cool. With my partner, Sean Nimmons Patterson, who's also a jazz kid. Great, great. What kind of partner? 
My songwriting partner okay. with the cat in the hat stuff. <laughs> Sometimes people say partner, you know? Honestly. I know, but it's the vagueness that's so beautiful about that word. Oh, well, yeah, the vagueness. Okay, I think, I think I'm getting it. He's my friend, too. He's my friend. Um, partner. Oh, partner. Like, we're partners in this podcast. Yes, I'd like you to meet my partner, Emily. (laughs) I think it's funny that our generation has has flocked to the word partner because it would be like what they would say in class, you know what I mean? Like, get a partner. Right, yes, that's true. Get a, please find a partner. Nobody wants to be my partner. Nobody wants to be my (laughs) partner. That's going to be me when I'm 80. (laughs) I didn't find a partner. (laughs) terms like partner and i also use they a lot of the time now not for someone who doesn't necessarily identify as a male or female but i use they to like just kind of keep things vague and a surprise <laughs> like you're talking about it's like who's they who's they oh yeah that's my friend trolley they're cool trolley. they're gonna be here in a second you know I'm a trolley who the F is trolley? Well, you know, you got to respect everybody and everything all yeah, the time. Everything is worthy of no respect exceptions. and there are no exceptions. And if you don't respect people... How the hell are you going to respect yourself? How are you going to... If you don't love yourself, how are you going to love people? How the hell people? are you going to love anybody else? If you don't massage yourself, how <laughs> you the hell are you going to be a massage therapist yeah, and go to massage out? people? I really need a massage. Me too. Yeah. Let's go after Let's this. go get a massage. <laughs> the green room was also an extension of... <laughs> Wall ball. Want to give me a quick riff? <laughs> Is that funky? I was trying to be funky. That was great. Um, Do you want to hear a dream that I had? Oh, yeah. There's nothing better than... It's haunting me. Sure. Tell me. I'd like to hear your interpretation of it. Okay. I I was going to get my IUD replaced, and then at the last minute, I decided the nurse left the room. It was like a big surgery in the dream, and the nurse left the room, and I just stole some sleeping pills and decided that I wasn't going to get it replaced. And then... I was sitting like on the shoreline with this woman and I thought that this woman may be my lover. I wasn't sure what the context was with us. But then I looked at the horizon and there was a big unicorn flying by, but the unicorn's horn was a dick. And I was talking to someone about it and they said that it's like I'm trying to decide whether I should have a child mm. and be responsible right or sleep all the time mm. whether i should have lovers willy-nilly mm. or heed the unicorn dick in the sky that's one one person i suppose that would be like one person what did it what did the dick look like like veiny because it looked like was it? It was white. Was it, it was white. Like it oh was, it god, was you can't say that. That's no, like not, not white skin color. Like white, like pure, oh. like a unicorn white. Right. Yeah, I get no. it. <laughs> so like an albino dick. Like an albino dick. But yeah. anyway, I shouldn't have told you that story. Why? I no. Do you? Was it a lucid dream? That's what I've talked about on the podcast several times. Lucid dreams. No, it wasn't lucid. I had. I thought it was all real. But you were you controlling it? No. No, no. 
It, it controlled me. That you woke up and you said, wow. It felt urgent when I woke up. Did you have to pee? No. <laughs> well, actually, probably. I always pee in <laughs> the morning. Yeah. Sometimes I pee in the middle of the night. I hate getting up in the night to pee, but I think most people do it. That's yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's horrible, really. To pee in the night? Yeah, to like have to get up. We could like, wear diapers. Yeah, but then you'd wake up wet, it wouldn't be. Oh, no, that wouldn't be fun. Well, a really thick diaper that you would not know. They have those for periods now. They're called Nicks. Wow, that's yeah. my name. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I also know you lived in New York. What were you doing there? We were talking on text about how we both lived abroad. It's true. Well, I mean, my dad lives there, right? And okay. he also has two young kids. So right. I've got two little sisters. One's 11 and one's four. And they're great. So I... But, you know, he only had those in the last four years. I don't know. I think I... I, w I lived in New York in high school for part of high school because I went to LaGuardia Art School. That sounds cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was, I actually hated it. <laughs> Why did you hate it? Um, I don't know. Teenagers taking themselves too seriously. Oh, my God. Was Did you go to school with Lin-Manuel Miranda? Might as well have. It was a performing arts school. Like, it's the fame school. So... Oh, yeah. I went to school with people that really, like, were into making it. And it just, like... Yeah. I just spent the whole time, like, smoking and crying in the bathroom. And so did that habit continue into your adulthood? Smoking and crying? Yeah. Which I... Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> well... But I'm going to quit smoking pretty soon. How are you going to do that? I think I'm just going to have to use the patch. I read the book recently. Wear an eye patch. <laughs> yeah. I'm quitting smoking. <laughs> Arr. Arr. <laughs> they didn't have tobacco back in my day. What about that Republican senator with the eye Imagine patch? Imagine that that's what I thought that the patch meant this whole time. <laughs> I mean, that was what I thought it meant, too. What if it was actually like we were sort of like cybernetic people and it literally was like a patch like you do to like a computer program <laughs> to like oh, man, fix I it? Wish. Um, I wish. Well, I, I wish you. I wish you luck quit. in quitting smoking. Thank you. Thank you. It's like for any children listening, don't start smoking. It's not cool at all. That's the problem, you know. It's like what it is is you're like some creative type, and you think you're on some kind of an edge, yeah. like an edgy creative type. Really, really. Made me feel like I didn't have to worry about popularity anymore when I started. Because <laughs> you're like, no matter what, I will die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then you're like at the coffee shop and you're yeah. smoking, and, yeah. you know, next thing you know, you're 30 something and you're like, why did why? I start this? What this is hurts. This is not, well, you, you know, you sing, so yeah, it's, it's probably really better. It's I mean, really I, but I feel like, you know, we all have our things that we need to do a little bit that may completely destroy us. Sure. Whatever they may be. I game. Oh. And I binge eat. Yeah. Did that yesterday and the day before. Yeah. We all have our things. I have all of those things. Yeah, like, <laughs> we all have our things, and we're lucky if we only have one. So, your dad lived in New York. He lived in New York. With his children. He still lives in New York. Your young half-siblings. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I'd gone to high school there, and I just sort of 
I kind of feel like New York is home as well as Toronto, but every time I move there, and I've moved there many times for like a year, year and a half, six months, like, you know, various trips, because I have dual citizenship, so I can just kind of do it, and um, I've always wanted to come back, or decide, I've always decided to come back, so it's like a little bit, it's a little bit weird, because I feel like at home in both places, and also not quite at home in either place, so now I've got a pretty good system going where I like live here, and then I go to New York for a week mm. every month. That is a good system. That I love works that really system. Well. Yeah, I'd love to have that system. It's a great system. I mean, that's I I understand this urge. I was in LA for you know two and a half years mm-hmm. with maybe thrice yearly visits to Toronto, maybe even more. And being back here now, although it's been difficult, it's quite grounding, which is something that you might not even have in in New York, possibly. Uh, Or just that you might not have in any city that's large and gigantic and intoxicating in a sense and new even though it's not new to you, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, what was it that made this situation feel good for you? This situation of living here? And going there once a month. I don't know. It's like, I mean, anywhere where you have family can be a place that you want to limit your time sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I have the opposite opinion now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if my mom has the opposite opinion. <laughs> I have the opposite opinion. I'm like, put me close to my family. And frankly, that's... Oh, I know what you mean. It's yeah. also really great. Yeah. Like, my dad's my best friend, so it's yeah. like, I want to be around him. Like, I, I almost feel like... I still am getting, like, the, oh, I should I should move back thing lately. Because mm-hmm. I come back to Toronto, and I'm like, nothing happens in the wintertime. What's the point? At least people are still kind of milling about. In New York, they just keep hustling because it's New York. They can't yeah. stop hustling for the winter. They go winter tires. Well, Who wants their winter tires? tires? <laughs> and on, on the corner of uh, Lenox and uh, <laughs> Williamsburg. And also, my dad's got such a great creative mind, so it's really nice to be around. Him. It is important to be around people who inspire you in some degree. Yeah. I feel like as long as I'm feeling. Like, there's some kind of creative progress in my Um, life, then I'm happy. I honestly feel so good knowing you're living close by. I know. I love that we're, like, really neighbors. We don't see each other that much. But it's 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 encouraging. And, uh, and, and it... Oh, hi, kitty. (laughs) Oh, hi. Can I touch it? Yeah, there's a cat. Does it pick up? Yeah, you can pick him up. He likes it. Hi. Hi, little muffin. Oh, Oh, you're show sweet. Him, show them to the camera if you want. Slide over a bit. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, here we go. That's Manny. He he's, he likes your You can't really see. He's because he's gray. You can bounce with me. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, he really. Oh, likes you're it. my best friend. And sometimes he wants to go, but no. he likes having. I love to restrain animals so much. <laughs> they like it. What it, what would that urge be? <laughs> what? The urge to restrain animals? 
I don't know. It's just I, I've always had it. I make them love it. Put your cash on a leash. <laughs> Come and open the door. Oh, are you the sweetest little treasure? <laughs> Look at its little head. Yes, I've spent many a time, a day or an hour or a minute this admiring is, Manny. This is a good cat. Yeah, he's really fun. He, like, he's upside down right now. Well, that's what I'm saying about my time here coming back from L.A. Is It's just, like, I don't, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Less more what <laughs> couldn't ask for more just that i'm in this little room i'm getting to do this stuff i'm seeing friends mm-hmm. i have this cat mm-hmm. my mom's there in a hazmat suit <laughs> it's, it's not a hazmat suit she said it's not a hazmat suit um wow he's loving being with you here slide over a bit more Get the, the bed is going to fall no 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 i promise it won't that the cat likes me he does, and we'll just move this. Up. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We knew it was gonna happen. Yeah. We knew okay. Okay, smooch, Manny. Manny. Manny the smooch. I bite my cheeks when things are cute. Oh wow. Like this. <laughs> I can't help it. I just do it, and it, I do it all the time at home. It hurts. I'm really fucking up my mouth. <laughs> so. Oh, you didn't like that. What are your songs about? <laughs> on I actually it's funny you would say that your your new album Night Owl uh I I was listening to a song and I was like I hope this is about an animal <laughs> <laughs> how much I love it yeah yeah could be god cats unicorns unicorns with special horns oh is that what you think do you want to go? I'll let you go. Oh, see, I've learned not to restrain for too long. That's right. So, how's the response to the new album? Well, it's been really good. I had a, I had a uh, placement, a sync, in a it's Bose. Always good. Always good. In a good. Bose commercial. Oh, the beer. Your favorite stereotype. Oh, the the stereo. Yeah. That's big. Um, you had songs somewhere else too recently. I've been having some a good little run lately where I had a Toyota, mm-hmm. um, PetSmart. <laughs> That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't restrain the cats. <laughs> uh, PetSmart, and then this Alexa and Bose. Yes, Alexa. That's the yeah, one I remember. Yeah. So. And the the song that's in the Alexa commercial is on my album. Yeah. So there's been a really good response to the album because of that placement. Is that the one that on Spotify is the most popular? I would I would imagine. <laughs> Look, so you're talking about being having placements in commercials. If you're listening and you don't know about that, although I think a lot of people who listen are savvy on this <laughs> podcast. A lot of my listeners are real smart. All of them. <laughs> All the listeners are very smart. Um, <laughs> a placement is when you get a song. I mean, Emily kind of explained it just in explaining when what a song's you in do. a commercial. Yeah, and you need uh, an agent for that, right? Uh, I don't know if it's called an agent. It's like a a broker. Yeah. A mediator. Uh, a, a go between. I have a a licensing contract with an agency. I see. In. L.A. and New York called Zinc Music. Great. 
Well, how did you get into writing music for commercials early on? That was because I was working at the Transac, and I was singing, and I just met my manager and mentor uh, through his wife, who's a wonderful woman, was in the audience, and she heard me sing, and then she said, can I give my husband your number to come sing on a demo? And then he called me up one day, and I said, okay, I'll come down there. And I went down to the studio, and we just clicked, and we still write songs together like every wow. week. That's awesome. That's great. And that's that's such an encouraging thing. And that's, I think that that is... But I couldn't have booked it on it. You know what I mean? Like, everything good in my life, I could not have gone and done it on purpose. It's like, you, you got to find a balance between uh, not trying to be too controlling to the point where you limit your possibilities, but also not relying too much on just fate. So right. That's, that's what I struggle with. You know, yeah, and sometimes it's a struggle, and sometimes it's a dance, you know, yeah, and the dance is nice because dance is nice. you're dancing with the devil, and he's a charming motherfucker, he's got a <laughs> chub the whole time, <laughs> no, not the no, you're to get your head out of the cover, he's holding one of those fish, yeah, chubs, yeah, right, you meant the dirty one, <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine this fish is pretty dirty. <laughs> been in the water chubs. for a while. Yeah, water's dirty. Well, yeah, it's in the river. <laughs> Rivers are gross. Rivers are... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I want to talk about so many different... But but what makes you uncomfortable about New York? What, you know, or what makes you comfortable about New York? Do you like New York? Do you like being in America? How did it feel being in America? <laughs> did you think that... You were going to make it in America? Like that wonderful Kanye West Jay-Z song promised mm-hmm. us we would? With, with of course, Frank Ocean's mm-hmm. greatest, maybe his greatest performance. I can't believe... That's the only Frank Ocean song I know, and I love it. And it's not even Frank Ocean's song. I more Frank Ocean. Me too, but man, that music is like being injected with heroin. You just hear it, it comes on, and you're like, I'm sleepy. <laughs> That's how I feel that people feel about my music. Well, you your music is I don't mean that to insult his music. No, it's good. Your it's music's good. soothing, you know? Like uh and I think that that's important. Like I said, I only listen to the jazz in the car when I drive on my way home from the psychiatrist. Because it's good and you Because I instrumental doesn't distract me as much as vocal I can meditate music. with jazz and classical on. Oh, that's funny. My mom does yoga and sometimes I hear her her put on this guy Jordy McDonald's uh, mm. albums. It's something about it. It helps, like it helps the brain, whereas other music kind of just gets to it. I didn't want to make it in New York. I, I, I just wanted to like be happy and have a good life. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm probably not ambitious to the point of being able to make it because it takes a lot more than. I think it takes a kind of commitment to smoke and mirrors and like get like having people perceive you in a way that might not actually be a realistic representation of it it's, it's not, does not come natural to me. And touring. And touring is also really hard. But I, th- I would say touring even over anything else. But touring's fun because you get to play the songs every night. Sure. But in terms of like the social media stuff and all that stuff, I don't... Uh, it's you know, so music's hard. Music's supposed to bring us together and then if you seem cooler than everybody else then that's, that's just making people feel bad about themselves. It's not making them feel like they want to that they feel that they want to be accepted. I think that living in New York and trying to like 
uh, kind of follow my dad's concept of what success was for a really long time led me to the conclusion that in that you are successful if you manage not to be an asshole because life can be so hard that that is basically impossible to to stay nice yeah so if you are famous and you stayed nice that's a huge success if you are not famous and you stayed nice that's also a huge success all the other things you know i sort of think they're illusory i you know and it's it's nice to do well and it's nice to be able to pay the rent there's a but reason illusory sounds like a loser-y. A loser <laughs> Try it again with me. A loser Well, Emily, we've had a great time. We have. I hope you have. I've had a great time. I've had a great time. It's nice to talk to you. It's always nice to talk to you. Maybe sometime you could come back. Yeah. That'd be good. And uh, do you want to play a song or two? Sure. Okay, I'll play a song about New York because... You know, we were talking about it. Sure. Hmm. Hmm. I gotta think. 
Whatever you want to do. I'll do.
Thank you for being here, Emily. I'm gonna say goodbye to you now. Goodbye. Have a great Bye, day. Is there anything you want to plug? Well, I'm playing that show on Friday, but maybe this will be up after that. I don't know. No, I think it might be out before. Okay, well, I'm playing at the Burdock on Friday if you want to come. So if you're he hearing this in Toronto on Thursday, the 15th of November? 16th. The no, Friday the 16th. Friday the 16th. Friday the 16th. Well, uh, before Friday the 16th of November, you have a chance to go to the Burdock and see Emily Mover perform, which yep. you should do. Yeah, come see me. I'm playing with some good people, too. Gabe Kastner, um, uh, Lindy, Sigrun Stella. Come. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. I loved talking to Emily. I love her music. EmilyMover.com has her show dates and lots of music and a lot more information about her. My mom totally knew her dad's music. She's a true jazz beau. And uh, she was like, Bob Mover? I saw Bob Mover at the Pilot Tavern the other day. So shout out to my mom. Shout out to you, the audience. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it so much. And yeah, Instagram, Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly on Twitter. I have a patron page, patron.podbean slash Nick Flanagan Weekly. Um, yeah. And if you want to listen to me on Spotify... Just look up my name on Spotify. The podcast is on Spotify, too. So you can put it on playlists and stuff if you want. And Emily is definitely on Spotify, and all of her music is great. So be sure to check her out, and I'll be talking to you really soon. Good night, good day, good morning, good afternoon.